Hey guys, it's Nathan. This is episode number 79 of the Nathan Seawood Show. The Nathan Seawood Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life. Welcome, guys. Hope you're having a great uh, start to the week. I uh, hope you guys are having a great weekend. Looking forward to the week ahead. I want to just check back in with something I challenged you guys to a while ago, which was to give us another review on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. And I uh, promised you I'd give away this book. This is Marketing by Seth Godin, one of my favorite books of the year so far. So epic. So thank you for everyone that wrote a review. I was going to pick my favorite one out here, which is uh, from my friend Tim Snell in London. And this is Tim's review. He said, Nathan is one of those people who gets to the heart of a person's story. And in the process, uncovers a treasure trove of wisdom for everyone. I've listened to a lot of podcasts, but few have the soul of the Nathan Seward Show. And what sets the show apart is Nathan's ability and willingness to engage with his guests at a human-to-human level or soul-to-soul level, which makes for really powerful listening. Nathan enriches the narrative with his own experiences and calls on his audience, which allows him and his audience to engage in a true conversation rather than an interview. And in the process, we all participate or simply witness a powerful exchange. And I always learn something. Ah, so that's cool, man. That's an amazing review from Tim. And it's a little bit weird to like read something out about yourself like that, but it feels really good. It feels really good to hear a review like that. Uh, so I'm going to send Tim this book and I know he'll get a lot out of it. And if you guys are keen to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes, look at all those this week. And this is my book of the week, which is called The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday. And it's like a whole load of just little daily lessons on stoicism that you kind of read every morning. I read one every morning when I wake up and it just kind of gets my mind on the right track and allows me to focus on something for the day. And I love that book. So leave a review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts. I'll read out the best one next week and you'll go in the draw to win that book. Well, on with the show. Super excited to have Jeremy Slate on today. Let me tell you about Jeremy. Jeremy is the founder of the Create Your Own Life podcast, which studies the highest performers in the world. He studied literature at Oxford specializes in using podcasts and new media to create celebrity and was ranked number one in iTunes New and number 78 in the iTunes Top 100. And after his success in podcasting, Jeremy and his wife, Brielle, founded Command Your Brand to help entrepreneurs get their message out by appearing as guests on podcasts. Super excited to have you on, Jeremy. Welcome to the show. Absolutely, man. Um, I'm, I'm super stoked to be here. Um, and I also love that you mentioned a daily stoic book today. So I'm, I'm actually reading another book uh, right now called The Twelve Caesars, um, or The <laughs> Ten Caesars, about 10 of the most important Roman emperors, and actually about uh, when Emperor Nero had Seneca, one of the first stoics, commit ritual suicide. So I guess that brings it all around that I actually listened to that this morning. <laughs> yeah, that's cool. I was in, um, where was it? Uh, yeah, Madrid. And this, I can't remember the name of the art gallery there. All the art people will be going, it's this gallery. But uh, there's a, a whole like full wall sized painting of that scene of Seneca committing ritual suicide and everyone's mm-hmm. standing around him. It's a really powerful image. But I didn't actually know that he commits suicide. It, w- it was by order of Nero because that was after Nero had uh, executed his mother because um, his mother was kind of running him and everything. Mm-hmm. So he had her, uh, he had him executed, be- and he was actually his teacher. He was the guy that had taught him everything he knew. And he was at that time started becoming very suspect of all the people around him and started killing a lot of his advisors because he didn't trust him. And in, and in Rome, um, I feel like I'm telling way too long of a story here. Um, <laughs> but but in Rome, in that way, it was seen as um, like if you killed yourself with like a, a weapon of some sort, it was honorable. Um, but if you killed yourself with poison or anything else, it was kind of like, you know, not an Weak. honorable way to die. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's crazy. 
I'm into. The, I'm, I don't know if you're in the Game of Thrones thing, but I'm like desperately trying to catch up. So I'm at like season five at the moment. But <laughs> we, all I think about is like old battles. <laughs> all <laughs> we're, day. we're through the first the first uh, seven seasons, right? And we're we're holding off on the last one because yeah, my yeah. wife's like one of those people that she insists that we binge on it in in like a weekend or something. So uh, right now, we're I have not seen any of the uh, the current season episodes. Yeah. Nice. Well, maybe we we can we can hit it at the same time once I catch up. I'm desperately trying to get through them. Um, how you doing, man? Thanks for coming on the show. How was your weekend? We were just talking about how busy everything is, and I think that's like life it, and babies. You've got a new baby, business. It, it's crazy, man. I was literally just saying to you, like, I don't feel like I know, like, I don't know, like, I don't know that my week has seven days. I think it has 365. Um, it just kind of keeps going, and not in a bad way, because it's like we're doing a lot of cool stuff. We have a lot of stuff going on. And sometimes we, you know, commit to too many things because you want to help a lot of people. So mm. you kind of get this week that doesn't really end. So like this weekend, I know um, my wife had a client that um, was at the Glad Awards on Saturday. So she was at that award show like all day on Saturday. Um, and then we actually were in, we were at a, a family thing on Sunday. So it's just like, it just doesn't stop, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you're doing it. It's interesting being in New York because I said this uh, a couple of times, but there's always something to do here as well. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you're towards the village, right? Yeah, in uh, Chelsea. So I know, I know, like you can either do an epic thing every day. There's always something incredible on the calendar, or you can just have FOMO all the time. Like those are your two <laughs> options. <laughs> Nothing in between. Well, and it's crazy too because I think people that aren't from New York like don't get it because like, we were trying to meet somebody for a quick meal the other day, and they say, "Well, how far away are you?" Um, well, this is New York and I'm driving. So, you know, we should be 20, we should be 20 minutes away, but you're, you're over on 42nd street. We're coming from 125th. It could be two hours. I don't know. Yeah. (laughs) Unclear. (laughs) So crazy. How do you manage in business? Like I noticed one of the changes when I started in business, you know, coming out of a job was that there really isn't a day off, day on, mm-hmm. working, non-working, you kind of just are always thinking about your business, mm-hmm. which may just be like the curse of the new entrepreneur. But how do you navigate that? Like now that you've got a family and everything, how do you switch off? Or are you just kind of always on as well? Um, I'm going to give you the worst answer to that ever. And that's that I don't switch off. Um, and yeah. I, I think that's actually like the really good thing to being in business with your spouse. Because my wife and I are like, we're good as husband and wife, but we're also like, we're always on as entrepreneurs, which is, which is cool as well. Because I feel like, you know, like the baby comes to a lot of, you know, like she was at Grant Cronin's 10X Growth Con in February. Like <laughs> and she, and she, she was four months old at the time. So yeah. it's like, I feel she's like because... like $10 million products. She's buying apartment buildings. Yeah, she's like, where's my money? I'm like, you're not even supposed to be able to talk yet. But it's, it's interesting because I feel like, here's the thing, right? Like we actually create a lot of time to do other stuff. Like we were in... March, we were in Italy for two weeks, which was incredible. And I really, really enjoyed it. But were we not on the same page building the same business we're doing, it just, it wouldn't be possible. So do we shut off? Not a lot of times, man. And those days you do, you're grateful for it. But it also like, I don't know, like, I guess we support each other very, very well. Because, you know, we, we kind of know, I know what I'm really bad at. And I know what, what she's really good at that fills that in. And, you know, it's vice versa. And I think that's what's really cool about it. Yeah, that's great. Where, where did you guys meet? Facebook. Ah, T- ten years ago on Facebook. Story. Yeah, it, it's, it's Facebook. Yeah, it's 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 interesting, man. Um, her her brother was like a state champion wrestler, and uh, I had this friend that I'm no longer friends with, but um, was like totally kind of obsessed, like super fan of her brother. And uh, he was like, "Oh, I, I met Phil's sister." I'm like, "Okay, that's cool." Um, and then he just kept talking about her, talking about her, talking about her, and wouldn't like introduce us for six months till we finally. 
I finally friend requested her on Facebook. But at that time, I was very into uh, like souped up Volkswagens. So um, my profile yeah, totally. picture was a car and she declined me. Um, and, and I actually <laughs> I always like... I understand that, man. I, so, you know, she's I like, I, I, she's like I, I don't hang out with objects. Um, and it was, <laughs> it ended up being a really, really funny story. Um, and we actually ended up, you know, we were in, grew up in the same town, all that kind of stuff. So then it worked out very well. That's cool. I feel like 10 years ago, Facebook was a dating site. Wasn't that how it started? I don't know if it was how it started. I think it was just the more whole like idea a, of like single in a relationship. It's complicated. <laughs> like that whole thing was like really Facebook all official. About. Yeah, exactly. That was a big thing. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> that uh, uh, friend that I was hanging out with on Saturday, Nick, we were just Facebook friends. I saw he was, he had a picture of an airplane in his profile picture and I added him because so I'm into flying. And we just like ended up chatting back and forth for like a year or two. And then when I came to New York, I was like, hey, I, we, we should hang out. We've been like Facebook friends for a couple of years, like Facebook pen pals. Yeah. Um, we should become real life friends. And now we've become great, great friends, which is cool. Well, I, I, I'll tell you what, man. Like I, I'll just, I always remember, like I got declined because I was a car. So what do you yeah. know? <laughs> oh man. I just the thought of the Jeremy Slate, you know, driving down the street. <laughs> The Man, slate. that thing is so loud. Why is it so loud? Oh, yeah. <laughs> so uh, working with your wife, so this is going to divide the audience, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, working with a partner. Some people, that will sound like an absolute nightmare and go, oh my God, I just, you know, I love my wife. I love my husband. But, you know, leaving the house in the morning is a nice <laughs> break. Maybe people don't <laughs> talk like that. I don't know. Um, that sounds really really dark. It doesn't, it doesn't sound great, man. I didn't mean it that way. Uh, and then some people would be like, like I know I have a lot of friends who are like, wow, you know, I'd love to start a business with my partner, but we, we can't find the right business where we both have complementary skills. Mm-hmm. How did it work for you? How did you get into that? How do you manage it? Is there pluses and minuses to it? Does it work for everybody? No. Um, I have some really good friends that if they were in business to each other, um, I'd probably be attending one or two funerals. I don't know. <laughs> um, but in terms of like, I don't know, like my wife, like, like we have really good communication and we really are like best friends. Like, mm. you know what I mean? Like we are always talking, always hanging out, always doing whatever. So like, I feel like we just have a really good relationship in that way. But then also like, I guess like part of the backstory is like, I have my my master's um, in ancient history. And when we first got together, I was going to do a PhD program, didn't get into NYU. So I ended up not doing it. But I remember her saying like, oh, you're going to be a doctor. This is going to be great. Not a, not a real doctor. So ancient history doctor. And th- yeah, th- at that time she was, she was actually working in PR. So furthest thing from what I did. And it, it, it's mm. interesting because as I started the podcast, she taught me all about promotion and taught me all about these different things. And our paths just continued to like converge, you know what I mean? Until, you know, now we're actually in the same industry, which is, which is very, very cool. Was it intentional? No. Um, I remember about seven or eight years ago, we were actually, um, we were at a Brad Paisley concert and I go, we should start a PR firm together. And she goes, absolutely not. <laughs> And now, um, you know, seven, eight years later, um, we're in business together. We support each other very well. And it's interesting because she knows a lot about traditional PR. And I've learned a lot about like new media PR. So we've really kind of filled each other's gaps in in that way. And it's it's become very cool. And things that she's really great at, organization, I suck at. Statistics, she's great at. I suck at that. But I love to speak. She's not huge on speaking, stuff like that. So we really have like filled in a lot of each other's gaps and, and it's weird, man, because like I said, we're very complimentary, but I don't, I don't know how that happens. You know what I mean? It just, it's just kind of like who I am as a person and who she is as a person, you know, balances each other out very well. Yeah. 
that's very cool. I'm glad that's that's working. That's awesome. And I love that combination too. It's a pretty potent combination that you understand new media. Mm-hmm. That she comes from a PR background because there's definitely skills in both that are still relevant. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's interesting because I think you have a lot of people that do like new media PR that don't understand traditionally how things work. And no matter how you look at it, man, that traditional PR world is still there and still very strong. Like you got companies like like uh, like MWW that has a massive building here in New Jersey. They're one of the, the or New York. They're one of the biggest PR firms in the world. You know, it's got a thirty floor building. They're still charging twenty k a month. So there's something to understand about that. And I think that's what's really interesting. Is it's very complimentary. You have to understand where it came from and also where it's going. Yeah. Uh, guys, a couple of people watching. Uh, I've got Jeremy Slate with me. Jeremy is uh, an expert in new media and podcasting. And so if you have any questions for him, if you're watching live or you're watching in the replay, fire any questions you have about podcasting because this is a huge industry that's growing almost faster than any other media industry. Uh, so if you're in business and you want to you know, learn about podcasting and new media, fire a question. I'm sure Jeremy will be happy to answer those later as well if they come in. Cool. So let's talk about podcasting. How did you take a left turn from ancient history like to get into this? Is there something exciting that you saw in it? Is it you realized you love to speak? What was it? So in college, when I was doing my my uh, my master's, my advisor, coolest guy ever, by the way, he's kind of like uh, the history version of Neil Patrick Harris. Looks like him, sounds like him, but but Dude, can yeah, so. but can quote the Iliad. Um, so he was my advisor for my thesis, and I walked into his office one day, and he was listening to a podcast. This is like two thousand ten, somewhere around two thousand nine, and I'm like, this is really funny. He was listening to this podcast called No Agenda. And basically, it was uh, Adam Curry that used to be on MTV and uh, John Dvorak that writes for PC Mag. And the two of them just riff for about three hours making fun of the news. Like, that's the entire podcast. It's, I still listen to it um, 10 years later. The show is very funny. But that's how I got introduced to podcasting. It was actually through my thesis advisor who loved this podcast. He's like, oh, you got to check this out. I think you'll find it really funny. So I ended up listening to that podcast since 2009. And from there, I started listening to when it was a little bit more popular. Apple used to have this podcast series where you could stream like lectures at large universities and stuff like that. So I was listening to like the the Alexander the Great podcast, stuff like that. And then gradually, I kind of discovered shows like Smart Passive Income, Entrepreneur on Fire, stuff like that. And it kind of brought me into more of you know where I spend a lot of my time now. And it was in 2015, the beginning of that year, I ended up starting my current podcast. Um, which actually ended up quitting for a few months early on because I was like, wow, this is going nowhere. While I was in Peru, I had ended up starting this podcast. And it was the, the original version, man, was horrible. Like it was just, <laughs> and it was because I didn't really have like an idea of like what I wanted to do with it. I was doing it as like, I was like this life coach and this, this and that, that. I had no experience in any of those things. So it was just, it was crap. The microphone was bad. I Not designed content. Oh, it was, it was bad, man. Like it was just like, this wasn't beneficial to anybody. And like, even the way it looked, like I designed the uh, cover art in Microsoft Paint. So you can just imagine what that, <laughs> what that looked like. like. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, oh, that's just, it's just, you looked at it and you're like, oh. Ooh. Yeah. Oof. So I ended up quitting that show 60 days in and there was nobody listening. Like literally there was nobody listening. I had like 50 downloads in two months. And I ended up taking um, a couple different podcast courses. I was like one of those people that like, and, and it's funny because I think feel like my education background kind of goes very well with this. I was one of these people that kept trying to get educated and not actually doing it. And about September that year, I got married. In November, I ended up launching the new show. My wife was finally like, okay, you know, you're working at somebody else's graphic design firm. You're building websites. You're doing a good job at it. But this isn't like, what's the uh, kind of big idea here? So I started the podcast. It saw 10,000 downloads in the first 30 days. 
And I started getting a lot of really, really well-known guests. And within about six months of that, I had people saying, can you do this for me? So we started building totally done podcasts for people. But totally upon podcast from the, the, the level of no human being would ever want to confront this. We were building their website. We were doing their social media. We were doing their episodes, doing their editing, <laughs> scheduling their guests, scheduling them on other shows, getting them press. It was so insane. It was too much, man. It was way too mm. much. And we looked at the 20% that people really liked was actually just appearing on shows. So we cut out the other 80% and we really just focused on, hey, how can we get people on shows? And over time, we've looked at how can we make that better? We've started doing coaching around the interviews. We've started teaching. Uh, we have a course that teaches how do you repurpose content? How do you get more out of interviews? Stuff like that. And it's just gradually over time, we're looking at how can we do it better? Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Let's look at, if you want to start your own podcast, then we'll talk about guesting on podcasts. Sure, yeah. Uh, because I guess now podcasting super popular, but that also mm-hmm. means super competitive, right? So the scenario of you talking about like launching a podcast and then mm-hmm. getting like 17 downloads, um, <laughs> like that would be more common, right? If you don't know what you're doing. Yeah. So some of the things, you know, I've been doing this show for, what are we, May, two and a half years now? Mm-hmm. And a couple of things that helped me in the start. One, somebody said to me, with any kind of pursuit like this, whether it's traditional blogging or whatever, are you willing to do it once a week for the next three to five years? Mm -hmm. And if the answer is no, don't start. Because this is like consistency is key. Would you agree with that? I, I would totally agree because I think most people look into it and they're like, the thing on the top of most people's mind is monetization. And when you're brand new and you don't have an audience and anything like that, that should be the last thing you're thinking about. Because it should also be in align with your current business if you have one. Like if you have your business, the podcast should be the vehicle that helps promote what you're doing and helps you get more PR and stuff like that. But just like you're saying, like when I had John Lee Dumas on the show um, from Entrepreneur on Fire, gosh, he was episode like 40. So that's a really long time ago. We're on like 600 now. But he said at that time, had he started the show... In 2012, which is when he started, that he has now, it wouldn't be around. And the reason being, everybody's trying to start the show that just interviews cool entrepreneurs. And they're trying to do the exact same thing. So unless you can differentiate, unless you can find something that is a different value that you're going to offer or makes you stand out or makes you service people differently, you're not going to exist. And I think that's the really big thing people have to understand is what makes you different? What different value do you offer? And how can you serve people different? Because if you're the same as everybody else, you're promoting your space. You're not promoting what you're doing. You're not promoting your own brand. You have to differentiate. Mm, good stuff. Yeah. What else? So if, if you're starting your own podcast or you want to start your own podcast, what else are you going to be thinking about? One thing you want to look at in the type of content you're developing, right? Like, Because I think a lot of people I, I have talked to about it and I say, hey, one episode a week just really isn't enough. You need to have... The, the formula is at least two episodes a week. I do three. It's a little bit much, but it works for me. If you're going to have two episodes a week, though, one of them should be an interview and the other one should be a content-driven piece, you know, something that you can teach your audience that you can help them with. And it, it's kind of interesting, right? Let's look at it as a funnel. You have the people that you're interviewing may have followers, may be more well-known and may help drive people in, whereas then at the end of the week, they're consuming your content. And that's why I always like to lead with what it is that you have with a guest. And also, you want to think big with guests because I think too many times people see a guest and they're like, oh, I could never talk to that person. They wouldn't have a time of day for me. They wouldn't whatever. I've run a spreadsheet since the day I started. And it started with the 100 people I most admired and it's continued to grow. And I just kind of shoot for the stars, man, and see what happens. Like I've pitched Bill Clinton. They said no. I, I've pitched a, a, a lot of really interesting people. But here's another one. I just pitched the, the guy that just played Aquaman, Jason Momoa. And in September, they were doing the interview. So like you, you got to really 
you know, even if you don't have the platform yet, man, just be willing to go big because you'd be surprised who would say yes to you. And it's it's super amazing. I think a lot of people realize that podcasting is a huge key now Mm -hmm. and it's getting to those 10,000 people rather than going on TV and maybe hitting Mm -hmm. a million of the same people. It's like, how do you tap into these podcasts that have these little targeted niches? Mm -hmm. I think like a lot of people are realizing that. It's a great, just to bounce off your point, it's a, this goes for any business, right? Not just podcasting, mm-hmm. but a lot of people say to me, like, how did you get that guy on? Like, you know, I went, oh, well, I asked him to come on the show and he said yes. And it's like, oh, okay. But like, didn't you have to? And so, so often we like write ourselves off before we even try. Mm-hmm. And for me, it's probably 50% of the time the guest says yes. And it's like, oh, wow, this is awesome. And the other 50% of the, or let's say the other 30% of the time, it's like, hey, not right now. Mm-hmm. Jeremy's not doing interviews right now, but. Uh, He's launching a product in September. He'll be doing them. We can put you on a list or, you know, like it's very, not very often that it's a hard no. Mm -hmm. Well, that's why it's important to have the spreadsheet, right? Because, Because if people do have those big aspirations and they pitch somebody big, they don't follow up. So having that spreadsheet, you're always putting the date, you're always putting the last communication you have with them. Like what was the last thing they said? And you always want to see how you can run control in the communication. Because if somebody says, oh, we're not doing media now, but we will be in September and we'll follow up with you. You don't want to be followed up with. You want to find out when's the best time you can reach back to them because you have control in the communication. And that's what I that's what I always say is, hey, okay, I totally got it. When's the best time to follow up with you so that you know we're not being a pain or we're not forgotten or whatever. And you always want to run control in the communication and track when the last time you spoke to somebody is. Like Dave Asprey took me three years to book. You know, it, you have to be willing to follow up with that. And you also have to know what's the right estimation of effort on that. Some guests, it's 60 days. Some guests, it's wait six months and follow up with them. Whatever the right thing is for that guest, that's why you have a spreadsheet and you track everything. Yeah, that's awesome. The skill of podcasting. So I was writing, I was kind of traveling a lot early on. And mm-hmm. I started like a travel blog. I was like, oh, this will be a cool way to fire up. Cool way to what? Who knows? But it just seemed like a good idea. Everyone was blogging yeah. at the time. And then I did it for a while. And then I was like, one, I've don't think I've ever read a blog post in my life. And two, I hate writing. Like, what am I doing? And it's just like such a classic thing of like trying to just get on the bandwagon of what's good, even though you hate that thing. Yeah. And so I was like, what, what do I like to do? Well, I'm a coach, so I really enjoy conversations and deep conversations. What's a medium that could also be that? And I was like, oh, podcasting would be cool. Why don't I transfer that skill of, you know, sort of connection and conversation and try podcasting? Is that something that's a prerequisite? Do you have to know okay, I love having conversations. I want to learn how to interview. Do you think you kind of have to have a bit of talent around that to get into podcasting? <laughs> I had none. So um, <laughs> I, don't, I don't think you need to have any talent around that, man. Like, like liking people definitely helps. Like if you, if you hate people, I wouldn't do an interview show. Um, it's probably not going to work out for you. Yeah. But I, I will say too that uh, I definitely agree with you that I started the podcast because I was an academic writer, so I hated this type of writing. And I actually heard a podcast from Grant Cardone like way back in the day where he talked about, hey, you want to get big, man? The way you do it is you interview somebody in your space. You make it into a podcast. It's it's it's, 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 it's really good, right? It's it's, it's bad. Um, (laughs) Stick it on YouTube. You take take some notes from him. You make a blog. And I was like, oh, I should start a podcast. And that was actually the reason I started is because I heard him talking about it. So did I have a lot of interview skills in the beginning? Absolutely not. And I feel like that first interview, I probably should have like read the person their Miranda rights. Like, you know what I mean? Because it was like, I, it was like an interrogation, man. Like I had 37 questions ready to go. And it was like, good answer. Good next question. Good answer. Good next question. It was just like, I feel really bad for that first person I interviewed. Um, luckily, they were a very nice person and, and willing to just take that. You know, I don't think I took any breaths in that interview. So for me, it was just continually doing it again and again and again. You start to develop this like sixth sense, right? 
Like, you know, basically like how somebody's body language is or how they're responding to you or how they're communicating. You kind of have a good idea of what's going to happen next. And that's why I've prepared less and less and less as I've done more interviews. In the beginning, if I didn't have 30 questions, we were not going to be able to talk for 15 minutes. Whereas it's now I have maybe a topic and maybe like three particular things I want to ask that person. And usually it's going to go 45 minutes and we almost don't have enough, you know, we almost have not enough time. You know what I mean? So Mm. it's interesting that as you get to become a better interviewer, your conversations become longer, they become more powerful, they have a deeper connection. But it took me 200 interviews to really feel good about it. And, And I'll tell you what, like to get better at interviewing, I didn't listen to other podcasters. I started focusing on people in media that I thought did great interviews, like, you know, Larry King or like Oprah or like people like that and see like, what are they doing? What are the cues they're using? What are they asking? And I tried to learn a lot of those tricks to the point of, you know, that I just knew them cold. Like I didn't have to drill them beforehand. I mean, it's an art, right? Interviewing. Yeah, just like 100%. And I think the, the fact that now we can just buy a microphone and start recording, you kind of forget that, okay, this, this is actually a skill, a talent, an art, just like anything else. Mm-hmm. It's not something that takes, oh, you learn the three rules of interviewing and then you'll be, you know, Charlie Rose or whatever. <laughs> it's like you have, to, you have to do it for 200 episodes. Like I still am trying to figure out, you know, how to do it, right? Yeah. Um, but it is, it is kind of just getting into it, trying over and over and over again. I love that advice, like to watch interviewers that you love mm-hmm. and just notice what they do because there is, you wouldn't notice it unless you were focusing on it, but there's very specific things that they do at each point during an interview that makes an amazing interview. You know what's pretty cool too about that too? I th- one of the biggest things that I saw, and I don't know if you've noticed this, that a lot of podcasters don't tend to do, but really great interviewers tend to do, is they tend to ask things like that I call the feel, felt, found questions. Like, how did you feel in that situation? What did you find? Uh, what have you found since? Like, they, they ask a lot of things that have the person like think about what actually occurred. Because too many times people are like, all right, tell me your story. Great. Okay, cool. Next question, next question, next, next question. Story. But the thing that actually helps people make a change or make a transformation is what they were thinking, what they were working on, what they found since. Like one of my favorite things to ask people is what's something you believed at 21 that you don't believe now? Because since I'm trying to talk to people that are like world class, you find that they have some amazing viewpoint shifts in their life. And I think that's the thing that's really incredible to me is you want to ask people how they feel. How they, how they found you know, life since then or, or what they've discovered since then. It's, it's really incredible when you start to mm. really try to elicit that type of question out of somebody. Yeah, that's great advice, man. It has me thinking a lot about how I interview. <laughs> um, there was a, a, a guy called Cal Fussman. Have you heard of Cal? Oh, Cal is incredible. He was the last guy to interview uh, Muhammad Ali before he passed. Yeah. He's interviewed so many amazing people. But I'll never forget, he was on, he's been on Tim Ferriss a few times. I've listened to him on there. And he said that, do you remember that story you told about interviewing Gorbachev? I don't know. I, I, uh, it's funny because I probably heard it, but I don't remember. Yeah, but it was kind of a perfect example of his technique. But he said with interviewing, you have to go for the heart and then go for the head and that will give you the soul. Mm. And I was like, ah, oh, that's really interesting. So you're trying to get like a heartfelt story, get to connect the person to connect with their own heart mm-hmm. and then the mind, like something about their talent, or their skill, and then the combination of those things will drop you in deeper. And so the story he tells, tells quickly is um, he had interviewed Mikhail Gorbachev, had mm-hmm. a half an hour slot with him, and then the interview kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed until he had five minutes. The PR woman was like, okay, you've got five minutes with him. Good luck. And he's like, five minutes? How am I going to get something amazing? So he went in there and he's like, I've got to just go straight for the heart. And so the first question was, tell me the biggest lesson your father ever taught you. 
and he said like he went oh and his whole body dropped and he like got really reflective and just gave this really deep answer that kind of related to everything that was going on in world politics at that time wow yeah and he said like that was like one of his king hits of his career <laughs> you know that question oh that's so cool it is really incredible though because i think like i said i th- i think too many people focus on the mechanics and a lot of times it's feelings and and the reactions that are the things that people grow from hmm. yeah what was your favorite interview so far um, well, if I'm going to go fanboy, I'm going to say Grant Cardone, um, just because it was like, I was like, I'm a huge Grant fan. So that was kind of cool. But I will say as well, I am a huge Green Bay Packers fan. And I got a chance to actually interview my favorite football player um, who retired a few years ago. And that's AJ Hawk. Oh. And to me, just to learn, like, I guess some of the aspects that go into being a professional athlete at that level that you don't think about, like, their career could be over at any minute. So I didn't realize like the NFL actually provides them like broadcasting school and all these other different things and opportunities so that, you know, if they do get a knee injury, they're never going to come back from that. They can have something to fall back on because a lot of these guys get to professional sports without a very applicable career, let's say, because they've kind of been pushed along their whole life because they're an athlete. So it's really interesting to, to find out like, you know, what are they thinking about when they prepare for a game? What are they thinking about, you know, when they're recovering from an injury? And that's, that was an interesting thing, too, is he mentioned, like, you know, he'd been in the league for eight years. He never had a day that he wasn't in pain from playing in football. And it's like, wow, I, I can't imagine that. Like, how do you play in pain for eight years? But that's, you know, really what a lot of these guys have been through and what they do. So to me, it was just really powerful because it brings up a lot of things that I just didn't know. Because, you know, obviously, I'm five foot five and 170 pounds. I've never played professional football. So it's, it's interesting to learn a lot of that aspect to it. And also the mental aspect of like some of the things these guys are reading to prepare to play sports. Like they're reading the art of war, stuff like that. Like things I wouldn't expect, like they're reading Seneca too. Like these are things that we just wouldn't expect them to be reading. Yeah. So many things you learn. It's such a privilege, isn't it? To be able to just sit down with like a hero like that, just be able to ask them everything you've always wondered. That's so cool. Well, the hardest thing too, though, is to like not go fanboy on it, though, because you like you don't want to, you know what I mean? Like you don't want to be that weirdo. Yeah, I guess that would be weird. Yeah. <laughs> like, hey, man, check out my jersey. Like, you <laughs> like you don't want to be that guy. And I think that's actually with an interview like that with somebody you really admire, that's the harder part to grant them levity, you know, of what they've done and what they've accomplished without being, I, don't know, I guess the easier way to put it is creepy. <laughs> yeah, totally. What's the biggest unexpected thing you've learned from being in this world, the world of podcasting? It's an unexpected thing. How much some of these people have to give? You, you know what I mean? Like I just got a chance to talk to Dr. Gundry last week, which is actually my interview that came out today. Oh, cool. And, you know, yeah, like he's, he's amazing. I've seen a bit of stuff. Yeah, like he's a doctor. So you kind of expect like, you know, he's going to be like rushing, originally a cardiologist, yeah, rushing to his next thing or doing whatever. Like he just, I don't know, like, like some of these people are just so willing to talk to you. And like, it's just, it's just not something you expect because you're like, you know, they're busy, you know, they have a lot of media, they have a lot of experience. Like, I'm just kind of, you know, Joe Schmo, like, you know, why do I matter? Do think it is? I think it's part of what got them to where they are. They, they understand that you need to make people feel like they matter and, mm-hmm. and they feel like they're very mission driven. So I feel like those are the ones that are, are really incredible. And there's some other ones that I'm just like, you get done and you're like, I can't publish this. Like that guy was kind of a jerk and I feel like it's going to be bad for both of us. And there, there's been a few interviews like that. So it's, it's the, I think the 80%, I would say is how incredible some of these people are and how much they have to give. And they're, you know, it's funny because I feel like that 80, 20 principle applies to so many things. And there are 20% of people that are just like, 
whoa, I am glad that's over. You, yeah. you know what I mean? It's just, it's, but there's so many people with so much to give. And I think that's the more empowering lesson there. My take on it is that a lot of these people are purely in their zone of genius and they're mm-hmm. doing their life's work. Yeah. And so sitting down and talking about them and their work and their mission for an hour is like, no problem. <laughs> you know, like it's not that sure they have not much time, but it's like when you're on, like we were talking about at the start, when you have your own business, you work seven days a week, 24 seven, mm-hmm. seven days a week, 24 hours a day. That's what I mean to say. But at the same thing, like if you're on mission and that's what you live and breathe, it's like, mm-hmm. yeah, I'm going to be talking about this anyway. I may as well jump on a podcast and keep talking about it. I get that feeling from a lot of people. They just live and breathe this. And it's really interesting too, because I'll just go back to Dr. Gundry because he was actually. I haven't checked the stats on this, but I'm going with what he told me. He was one of the highest paid cardiologists in the world for, for surgeries. And he actually walked away from that and said, well, you know, I want to help people before they ever get to me. Because he goes, yeah, I'm saving lives when they're on the table. He goes, but let's make it so that nobody ever has to cut them open. And yeah. he said, you know, doing that, I made make less money. He said, but I'm making a bigger impact. He goes, and it's, it's so much more rewarding. And I think, I think a lot of times you're, you're look, look, looking at people that are so mission-driven, just like you said, and it just, it's a different vibe, man. It really is. They vibrate at a different level. For sure. Let's switch to the other side of the interview table. So guessing on podcasts, that's a big part of your business is helping mm-hmm. people get on podcasts as guests. So why is that important for someone that's in business? And is it, is it any business, anybody that's in any type of industry, like getting on a podcast will help them? I, I really think so because there's 660,000 podcasts out there. There is a huge number. So there is an audience that is looking for you. So you just really need, and, and I think that's what's really important because I think so many times people are into the numbers when it's actually the niches that matter the most, right? Because if you can grab the right people that are your people, they're going to tell more people about you. You know, they will be your fan for the future and forever. And I think that's the pretty incredible thing. And even if you're on a local level, we've helped so many people that are like, using local businesses, how to harness podcasting and press locally to even do that. There's just, there's so much you can do. And it's a medium too that I feel like it has an ability to create relationships unlike any other medium out there. Because when somebody listens to your interview, the statistics from Apple actually show that people are sticking around from 80% of an interview, which is pretty incredible. So that level of engagement... Especially interviews, you know, three hours. Yeah, so somebody spent, like, like if somebody's spending 40 minutes with you, like... You don't get that from a keynote. You know what I mean? Like people mm-hmm. are so usually sitting on their phones or something while you're giving a keynote. And, and I think that's just really incredible. But even like, like even with how our interview has been here, like we've talked about a lot of how I am as a person, and which is what a lot of guests do on podcasts. And it c- creates this emotional level of trust, which then really helps people understand like either you have been where they are or you can help them or whatever it may be. So it's just an incredible relationship building tool and you're just getting so much more timeshare than you would with any other platform out there. Wow, that's, yeah, that's a really good insight. Because it's, it's this, you know, when I was sort of thinking about it when I was getting into podcasting, I was like, because mm-hmm. I, I was a huge consumer of podcasts. That was the other thing. Same here. Not only did I not read blogs, I was massively into listening to podcasts. And I was like, man, why, why do I love this so much? And uh, it's funny hearing you talk about the different podcasts you listen to because I was just thinking, man, you probably learn a lot about somebody by scrolling through the podcasts that they subscribe to. If you looked at mine, you'd be like, really? You're into this? You're into this? It's sort of all over the place and all kinds of different people. Um, here, here we go. <laughs> yeah, perfect. Sports wars, serial killers. Yeah, see, exactly. Your own podcast. It's <laughs> good stuff. It's very revealing. Oh, I listen yeah. to like a lot of comedians. Like uh, really, yeah, a lot of comedians, like Bill and, Burr and stuff like that. Uh, Joey Diaz. Mm-hmm. Uh, I love Theo Vaughn, and 
those are probably the two that I listen to religiously, you know, mm. and they're like pretty out there, dirty comics, right? Like, yeah. it's probably not what people would associate me with. But, you know, I just love that perspective. And it's, I think it's because it's so far removed from the world that I live in mm-hmm. that, you know, like Joey Diaz is talking about being arrested and kidnapping and doing blow and, you know, all these crazy stories from really? New York in the 70s and 80s. Like this one was pretty good. This is, uh, this is actually the guy that played... Uh, Blackout? Yeah, it's uh, Remy Malek, who was just in the Queen movie that they did. Ah, uh, yeah, right. Yeah, and a lot of just a lot of sports stuff too. Like, yeah. I love my sports podcasts. A lot of history podcasts. I listen to a lot of podcasts. Hardcore, hardcore history, history. Yeah, like six-hour episodes. Um, and this one, these these three podcasts are all done by the same company, which does like legend stuff about the Pacific Northwest. So it's it's I'm all over the place, man. <laughs> I think sometimes, like I notice, I obviously listen to a lot of personal development stuff. But sometimes it's like too heavy. I live and breathe personal development all day, every day. Mm-hmm. And so sometimes I just want to, you know, hear someone tell dick jokes. For <laughs> <laughs> just like chill out, have a laugh and not listen to something heavy. Yeah. Um, but my point was, the reason I loved it is because you feel like you're kind of listening in on a private conversation. Mm-hmm. And when else have we had that opportunity where you can be out going for a run or a walk, you can be on the treadmill, you can just be walking around home doing stuff, and you're like listening into this really deep conversation, which I freaking love. And so it really speaks to what you're saying about you get to learn that person. You get to feel like you really get to know that person. Mm-hmm through the medium. 100%. I, I would agree with you because it's just like, like I said, like what other medium are you going to get out there that somebody actually sits and listens to you for 30 or 40 minutes? That's just, that's incredible like to me that the people are listening to us for that long. Yeah. I can't well, get even, my friends to listen to me that long. <laughs> <laughs> you should um, look at that. Uh, there's there's uh, interesting with like Joe Rogan, right? One of the biggest, I don't know, mm-hmm. I guess it is the biggest podcast. Yeah, it's one of the biggest. You know, three and a half hour interviews you know a couple of times a week and that's crazy like what other content out there is being consumed for three and a half hours everything's like attention span you got to catch them in the first 10 seconds you know, 60 three second videos yeah and joe rogan's like uh, i'm gonna go for three and a half hours <laughs> and like there's big silences and lulls and people are into it because it's real yeah Anything else you want to share? Like if somebody wants to guest on podcasts or like, is there any tips that you recommend for people that want to get into that? Well, I would, I would definitely say like nailing down the three key components I see in every interview is vital. And that's story, message, and call to action. And, and it's interesting because I feel like even when we try not to have interviews flow that way, they still do. You know, they, right. they still like, you know, like, why are you relevant? You know, what are the three things you're going to teach whether people buy something here or not? And where should people go? Like, do not give them 27 social media links at the end of an interview. Like, don't do that. because. Like you said, people are, they're running, they're doing other things. Like they need to remember one place to go to find you and something very applicable to what you do. And, and the other thing is like, realize that there's stairs, right? There's different levels of podcasts. Start with smaller shows and, and really work on climbing the stairs there. Like you, you can't expect to start at the top. Like you do have to climb the stairs in, in order to do that. And you'll be and, a shitty guest anyway. If you got on the biggest show, you would not make them opportunity, right? Right. Well, it, there's, there's that. And there's also, um, like, you don't have to create the credibility. It's the same thing that, that gets taught in press, but people, I guess, for some reason, don't always think it applies in podcasting. You have to build that credibility, and you can really climb the stairs to be able to do that. So, so that's one thing. And then the other thing is, like, realizing that after interview is done, it's not over. 
like, what can you use this content for? Can you do transcription? Can you do quote cards? Can you do these different things? Because there's so much you can do with interviews after they're out. And if you promote like that, hosts are going to love you too. So I, I think that's what you really need to be thinking when you do a podcast. Mm, really good advice. Really good advice. And with you, with your business, I'm interested like just to look back at where you're mm-hmm. going. How do you see yourself as an entrepreneur evolving? Where do you see your business going? What are some of the challenges and goals next few years for you? Um, gosh, like we really want to be the go-to for what we call podcast PR. We don't want to say we're a podcast booking firm because we, we do so much more around that than just booking. So we want to become the go-to in that space. And I think right now we're still, we're booking higher quality shows than a lot of people are booking as well. And that's what we want to keep doing is, is keep having that level of show that we're booking for clients be awesome. Um, and two, we're also getting into another half of our business, which was we're starting to train podcasters on how they can grow because that's something that, that I've seen so much success and I want to help other people do that too. Because you know, if you're considering that your podcast is like costing you money and you can't do it anymore, that's a problem. We need to f- figure out how you're going to keep going and keep growing. So for me, it's really just helping this whole space because it's changed my life and I really want to help other people that are wanting to see that change in their own lives. Awesome. And do you think you'll... Do you need to take on a team? Is that... Well, it's we, we we are consistent. We are consistently growing. We've got um, how many do we have now? We got about six now. So our our team is continually growing, and we are always looking for the right people because I could never do this on my own. You know what I mean? I could I could never do this without the right people around me because the person that thinks they can do everything and do it the best is the person that isn't going to go very far. It's the one that realizes the right people around you and the right people supporting you are really going to help you be able to achieve those big dreams. Yeah, is something we talk a lot about is just leadership and leadership growth. And has that been a learning for you, like as you're taking on a team and stuff, like learning how to lead people? Well, I'll tell you what, man. Like, I I don't know if you found this in the beginning, but I found that I was I was my biggest obstacle because I thought I could do everything the best. And it's when you realize you can help empower other people to do it, and they're actually going to do a better job than you would because your attention's scattered because you're trying to do everything. That's the really incredible thing is when you realize that the only way you make a bigger impact is by actually training people to do what you're doing. And then you find out they'll do it better because there's more than more than just that you trying to do 37 things. They're focusing on one. Yeah, I kind of went about it completely the wrong way to start with. I was like, what are all the parts of my business that I hate doing? Ooh. And just give those to somebody else and then realize, okay, now I still am not interested in those areas. Mm-hmm. So I'm not interested in even talking to the person that's now doing them for me. Yeah. And I don't know how to motivate them. I don't mm-hmm. know how to keep them on track because I didn't know how to do that thing. Mm-hmm. I didn't enjoy it. So, okay, I can't do everything the best, but I need to know how to do everything. Yeah, I need to know how to have the basic level. And you know, if you aren't interested in a part of your business, that's it's just not going to work. You have to yeah. have a, find a way to be interested in everything so you can understand it, and mm-hmm. then you can actively start to delegate it. Well, and it's, what, it's, it's the same way of when you don't have knowledge on something, right? You can't take responsibility for it and you can't control it. So you don't have to be the best at something, but if you can get your knowledge and responsibility up on it, you're going to be able to control your business. And I think that's what's really, really vital. Because if you have a Facebook ads guy and you don't know how Facebook ads works and he just keeps asking you for more money and you're not seeing any growth, you don't know what to do. Like, you don't know how to handle that. Like, okay, yeah, is he taking me for idea. a ride or is this just expensive? Like, I don't know. And if you don't know, that's a problem because you're totally affected that line. Yeah, beautiful. Good stuff, man. Thank you. I love your business. I love you uh, and your wife doing great work. And uh, it's great you know, being friends with you guys. It's been a really cool journey. Absolutely. So Who are you looking for? Where, where can people find you? Who do you want to help? Well, we want to help um, entrepreneurs that are passionate about helping others because that's... We-
vital to what we do. Um, we've helped so many in the, the leadership space, um, a lot in the natural health space, and a lot in the real estate space. It's just we mm-hmm. find that those are the places where we make the biggest impact. And it, it's important to me that your business helps other people. If it doesn't, you're not somebody that we really want to help because the only way that our impact is bigger is by your impact being bigger. And that's what's really important to what we do. And if, and if people want to find out a little bit more about that, um, and also my podcast and everything else, the best way to do that actually is we put together a worksheet and a six-day video series that's going to teach you how to locate the right podcast, some training that you should know around that, and, and really how to start leveraging this for yourself. And that's over at commandyourbrand.media slash checklist. Commandyourbrand.media slash checklist. Yes, sir. Awesome. Great, mate. Thank you so much for coming on here again. Like, Thank you I so much for that. having me, man. You're uh, yeah, helping make the world a better place. I think that's why we're so aligned. Appreciate it. Love it. Thank you so much, man. Uh, final question before you go. Mm-hmm. Uh, we ask all the guests. It's kind of a tricky question, but we ask for your vulnerability. What's your dark side? What's the dark side to you? And have you found a way to embrace that part of yourself? Um, so this is kind of interesting because I think something I'm not great at is celebrating the wins. I'm always looking at everything that's going on. And I'm like, well, it's not where I want it to be yet. And that's the, the cool thing about my wife balancing me out. You know, she's pushed me a lot more to, hey, let's, I, I get it that you didn't get the hit the level of income you, you wanted, but we just had our best month ever. So let's celebrate that. So, you know, we've tried to start celebrating a lot more, whereas a lot of times I'm so demanding of myself that I'm never happy with what I achieve. And I think that's why it's actually really important to have somebody balancing out like that. And hey, let's celebrate the wins, man, because let's make those wins more strong and, and, and you know, not forget about the losses, but let's not let them weigh us down. Yeah, it's kind of perfectionism as well, is it? Yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, totally. It's um, it's a big one because it's there's always something to improve on. Yeah, there's always something that's not working. Do you? Well, what's the way that you celebrate? Have you found like a way that actually allows you to slow down and celebrate? You know, it's it's funny, man. Um, one of our favorite things to do is there's um a little local restaurant around here um that has incredible views of the water. Um, and we actually just love to, to go there and, and hang out when we're celebrating something because it's, it's just very cool to have that view. feel like you have the space. You know, you, you've, you've known the staff because you've been there a bunch of times. So it's just, yeah. to me, that's one of our favorite things we found for celebrating. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh, Jeremy, thank you so much, man. We'll talk to you very soon. Thanks for coming on. Hopefully people go and reach out to you and learn more about how to get on podcasts. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me, man. Thanks, man. Guys, thanks for uh, tuning in as always. Uh, great to have you here. I hope you enjoyed the show. Don't forget to go and leave a review on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, and uh, I'll read out the best one next week. And you can have a chance at getting this awesome book, The Daily Stoic by Ryan Holiday, which I'm loving at the moment. I read one of uh, the chapters every day. Guys, have an amazing week. uh, And I will be back at the end of the week with episode number 80 of The Nathan Seward Show. That's was The Nathan Seward Show, inspiring you to live an extraordinary life.